Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to SEC Football Unfiltered, our podcast from the USA Today Network. I'm Blake Topmeyer, alongside John Adams. John, the playoff field is coming into a little bit more focus as we head into conference championship week. Of course, in the SEC, Georgia will have LSU in Atlanta, a game that has lost, I'd say, a significant amount of sizzle in the aftermath of LSU's loss to Texas A&M. Georgia almost certainly is going to be in the playoff win or loss on Saturday. And if the chalk holds in conference championship games, I think we, I mean, we, we know who the four teams in the playoff are going to be. If, if the favorites went out here on set on Friday, Saturday, you're going to have some version of Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Southern Cal. One SEC team. What do you think about that quartet in general? Would that be reflective of the four best teams in, in college football that we've seen this year if the chalk holds in conference championship weekend? I think all of those teams, you can look at them. You, you can talk about other teams in Tennessee, Alabama, Clemson, teams that have fallen by the wayside. I think what these teams have all demonstrated is an ability when the game is on the line and their playoff chances are on the line, those teams are able to rise the occasion, which is what you think of when you talk about playoffs or championships. All season long, I think TCU was underrated. Uh, to me, size, strength, and speed are attributes, but so is a, an ability to come through in the clutch and to be resourceful. Uh, we've seen that with TCU time and time again. And you put it in a playoff situation, it will not be daunted by falling behind by three touchdowns or two or whatever. It, it's it's very comfortable under pressure back to the wall. I like TCU. I thought it was underrated all year. Um, the other team, Southern Cal, has a great player in Caleb Williams. I saw him in the early early in the season against Oregon State. He didn't look good. He can get down on himself, but in the last few weeks, he's played himself into the Heisman Trophy winner with his performances and what Southern Cal. So I think when you have a great player, we've seen it in other playoff situations that a team can can rally behind and, and he can make clutch plays too. Michigan uh, kind of go. It's interesting that to me that both Michigan and Georgia go against the grain of college football. I mean, That's this true. is supposed to be a pass happy era. era. Well, look what Michigan did to Ohio State. It just lined up behind a really good offensive line and just ran over Ohio State play after play after play. In Georgia, his one with defense and with quarterback Stetson Bennett making clutch plays, and but it just doesn't go out there and throw the ball 40 times and gain 600 yards. So I give those teams credit too. 
um, it, it's a different style, but it worked. And Georgia won the last national championship with defense. So I really kind of like that playoff field. I think there's a lot of variety to it. And of course, the, the question is going to come, well, what happens if Southern Cal loses to Utah in the Pac-12 championship? What happens uh, if TCU loses to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship? And I want to get into that more in a moment, John. And, and as we record this, we should say that we are recording this and you may be listening to this before the college football playoff rankings come out on Tuesday, Tuesday night. If you're listening to this later in the week, you know the way the, the rankings look. And so you, you, you may have a little better, um, better insight into the, to the, the chessboard here. But before we get into that debate, John, about who should be the, the first team in if USC loses to Utah. Of the four teams that are positioned right now, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Southern Cal, who would be the biggest threat to Georgia in the college football playoff? Because I think the natural reaction after what we saw Saturday is Michigan, right? Michigan in a number two versus number three matchup goes on the road, beats undefeated Ohio State, handles Heisman candidate C.J. Stroud, who you know I, I think is is not going to win the Heisman Trophy after after that loss to Michigan on Saturday. And as you said, Michigan just they ran him over. I mean, J.J. McCarthy made some made some big throws, threw a couple good deep balls, had a nice game, but point being, when they needed to, I mean, they just, they ran them over. And and it was the run game, and it was Michigan's defense getting it done. And and I think the natural reaction is, wow, maybe maybe Michigan's the best team in the country. They're the threat to Georgia. I don't necessarily agree with that. I would argue Southern Cal is the biggest threat to Georgia because I like a team that does something differently. And yeah, Georgia and Michigan aren't, aren't exactly clones of each other, but as you made the point, they're, they're winning in a little bit more of the old school fashion. They're winning with defense. They have two of the top three defenses in the country. Uh, They both like to run the ball. They got quarterbacks that can make the plays when called upon, but they're not called upon to throw it 45 times in a game. USC on the other hand, I mean, they are piling up points. Defense at times has been an issue this year, but they're scoring 40, 50 plus points every week. Now, that would be a much stronger challenge against Georgia. And we saw Georgia handle arguably the best offense in the country in Tennessee just a few weeks ago. But that was with the Georgia crowd behind them. I do think that influenced that. And Caleb Williams is playing as well as any quarterback in the country right now. He's got an awesome wide receiver and Jordan Addison. To me, the biggest threat to Georgia would be something different than Georgia, not like another version of Georgia, because I think Georgia's the best at that. They beat Michigan in the playoff last year. I think they beat them in the playoff again. I'm not saying they wouldn't beat USC, but I think that would be the the top threat to Georgia. What do you think? Do you think it's you think I'm right there, or would you go Michigan or TCU? That is a really difficult question. I uh, Georgia has not been consistently outstanding this year. It, it, I mean, it easily could have lost to Missouri, but it is Missouri, so Missouri couldn't finish 
what had started, but it really threatened Georgia. And it wasn't even playing that well at the time. I don't think it's played well. It didn't play well against Georgia Tech. It didn't play well against Kentucky. So I have a hard time right now with Georgia, but I do know in its biggest games, it's been outstanding. So I guess what I'm saying is I don't have a clue which would give Georgia the most trouble. I like your analysis of Caleb Williams, but I wonder about TCU. I just, TCU has that motivational factor. You know, when you go into the final four that everybody's going to say, Michigan, Southern Cal, Georgia, name brands, big time programs. Oh yeah. And here we got TCU over here. Kind of like Cincinnati last year. I didn't give Tennessee, uh, Cincinnati much of a chance in the playoff. I didn't even think it should have been in there. And for good reason, John, you were vindicated when Alabama <laughs> yeah, handled it. I, but I don't look at TCU that way. I, I've seen TCU do a lot of different things well. I've seen it run the ball. I've seen it throw the ball. I've seen it play really good defense at times. Not early in the year, but I think TCU is getting better. And I just think, I, you know, you think of it, a college football playoff. Well, you're not going to overlook anybody. Mm, I don't know about that. I just think going into a game with TCU, I think, okay, well, they had a nice season, but they're TCU. They put Oklahoma on their jersey, we'd be a little concerned. So I think tennis, uh, TCU is a threat in this. You've, you've hit the nail on the head, John, because I've heard from a lot of angry Alabama fans uh, in the last few days, uh, upset with my column that Alabama is is still not a good uh, candidate for the college football playoff. Um, and, and they say, I, I even heard from some Alabama fans that say, well, even if TCU is undefeated, why should they be in the playoff? One fan said to me, well, if Tulane went undefeated, would you put them in the playoff? I mean, equating TCU playing in the Big 12 playing against teams like Texas, which, oh, by the way, Alabama barely beat. Uh, TCU also beat Texas on the road, and that's Alabama's best victory. Uh, you know, going through the Big 12 schedule undefeated, you've made the point before, John, that top to bottom, the Big 12 is a tough conference this year. Now, there may not be three or four teams in the top 10 of the, the rankings. It's basically you know, TCU and Kansas State as their, their top dogs, number one and, and number two. But top to bottom, it is a good league. And I think if you put Oklahoma on the front of the jersey, you're so right. Nobody would be taking TCU lightly. Nobody would be thinking, oh, well, if they lose in the Big 12 championship, maybe they're not in. No, they'd be 12-1, and one, and they shouldn't get punished for losing in their conference championship while other teams sit at home. If there were another conference champion that could catch them from behind, that's one thing. But you don't get rewarded for sitting at home when a 12-0 and team has to go play in a conference championship. If they were to lose, they shouldn't get punished for that uh, at the expense of a team that was sitting at home. And, and it's all because of the name on the jersey. It's not because of the conference they play in. I mean, to some degree it is. Some SEC fans just think every other conference out there stinks. But I think if the jersey said Texas or if it said Oklahoma instead of TCU, we wouldn't be having this conversation. They'd be seen as a... Um, as a lock for the playoff and as as a potential threat to Georgia because I, I think you're right, they're a good team. But I think your other point, John, that's a good one, is if Georgia has its best fastball 
if it plays its best game, maybe there is no answer to which of these teams is the best threat to Georgia. Maybe it's more about Georgia and you know, if it if it shows up with its A game, it's not getting beat by any of these teams. I'd I'd buy that argument. Well, I, I think Georgia has the ability to do a lot of things well. Uh, it beat Tennessee in a dominant first half by throwing the ball well. Uh, we talk about a tendency to uh, underrate TCU. I think there's a tendency to underrate Stetson Bennett who the quarterback for Georgia, the former walk-on, he's got this this underdog image about him. But he was MVP of the semifinal game, an offensive MVP, and then of the national championship game last year. He clearly raises his game in, in bigger games. And, and I think that's a factor, too. I can't imagine Georgia not being at the top of its game in, in this situation. I think we will get an indicator of what Georgia's mindset is in the SEC game against LSU, which just lost to Texas A&M. So Georgia doesn't need to go out there and play like it did against Georgia Tech or like it did against Kentucky earlier in the year against Missouri or even Kent State. It has to see this as a playoff game. Regardless of what LSU did last week and losing to Texas A&M, I think when you look at LSU, you see some really good athletes on the field. And I think Georgia players will recognize that. I mean, you look at some of those defensive players. Uh, Jaden Daniels has made a lot of plays at quarterback. He's a running threat. and He might not be at full strength. That could be a factor. But I just think this set setting should bring out the best in Georgia. And it also has the incentive, if it's number one, the number one seed, it will play that first semifinal game in Atlanta. And that's that's the next best thing to Sanford Stadium. I, I agree. That's a that's a big point, John. I've I've heard some from from some folks that say, well, well not will Georgia throw the game, but will Georgia be all that motivated for this game? Would it really bother them if if they'd lose? I, I do think you want to play that first game in Atlanta. If you get the one seed you're going to be playing that first first game in Atlanta. If you're going to have to face Southern Cal at some point, which you don't, depends how, how the seedings go, but if you're going to face them in either the semifinal or the national championship in California, I'd rather face Southern Cal in a number one versus four matchup in Atlanta and get it done before that national championship game in, the, in California. Now, I know you've you've covered a national championship game in California between Southern Cal and Texas. And uh, I believe you've told me before that the stadium was half full of Texas fans. So I guess I shouldn't discount the fact that Georgia fans could go out to California and maybe take over that stadium. But still, I don't care. You'd rather play Southern Cal in Atlanta, no question about it, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and that uh, to decide the 2005 National Championship, yeah, it was – it was like 60% or more Texas fans. Um, travel isn't a factor. Money isn't a factor for these spirited fan bases when it comes to a championship-type game. So I think uh, you would see Georgia fans go in mass to California. But I, I agree, particularly playing an offensive-oriented team, if you get them in Mercedes-Benz Stadium and you've got 
three quarters of the stadium pulling for Georgia and the noise factor. We saw how that was a factor in the Tennessee game when it was played in Athens. I think you'll have the same type environment, even though it's in Atlanta. So yeah, that's the team. I think that's the team of the, all the teams, the three possibilities. That's the team Georgia would want to have the home field advantage for. You're right. Southern Cal. John, now we've we got to get into this debate of, of who's in if Southern Cal loses to Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Again, we are we are recording this before Tuesday night's rankings. The debate seems to be among three teams, Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee. I wrote this week, Alabama, to me, does not have a great case. If you take the name off the top of the resume, we wouldn't even be talking about Alabama. Uh, their best win is on the road at 8-4 and four, Texas. Uh, they've lost to two teams with a combined five losses, and likely that'll be six losses after LSU loses, probably, to Georgia on Saturday. They haven't beat anybody with nine or more victories. Meanwhile, Ohio State, yes, they just lost. Yes, they lost on their home field to Michigan. Michigan won decisively. It was, though, a one-possession game midway through the fourth quarter. Ohio State was down eight midway through the fourth quarter. And I don't think you can take a team like Alabama that lost two games without even playing the best team in its own conference, which was Georgia, and bypass a one-loss team in Ohio State whose only loss is to undefeated Michigan, the best team in its conference, possibly the best team in the country, has a win against 10-2 and two Penn State. That's better than any win on Alabama's resume. Uh, I don't think the resumes are comparable, John. I, I think if it has to come down to Ohio State or Alabama, I think it has to be Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State really deserves to get in, but I don't think Alabama deserves to get in either. If you got to pick one, I think it has to be Ohio State. And I'd go a step further and say if you had to choose between Tennessee and Alabama, Tennessee has the better resume they beat lsu they beat alabama and they yeah they won the head-to-head i I don't to me alabama's third in that pecking order your thoughts well yeah i place a lot of emphasis on head-to-head competition i don't give a whole i don't want to see ohio state in the playoff nor do i yeah this is not a Uh, please put the buckeyes in i mean Southern Cal no. wins, this This conversation's all over, and we don't have to have it anymore. But go ahead. Yeah, I just think Ohio State had its chance. Okay? Uh, Michigan's getting ready to run the ball off tackle again. Here we go. Uh, no safeties deep. Boom, touchdown. Boom, another touchdown. It had its chance. I also think, though, I don't think the Big Ten is that good. And people want to discredit TCU for being in the Big 12. I think the Big 12 might be a better league this year than the Big 10 is. We talk a lot about evaluating teams and talk about the eye test. When you look at Ohio State playing a lot of these inferior Big 10 teams, and it scores really high marks in the eye test. And everybody talks about Jim Knowles came over there from Oklahoma State as defensive coordinator, a real defensive guru. He's made Ohio State's defense better. Well, how much better was it in the second half against Michigan? 
I think the eye test can be very deceiving based on whom you're playing. And I just don't think Ohio State is as good as I thought it would be. I really don't. Now, Alabama, when I look at Alabama, when people say, well, it lost two games on the last play, so it shouldn't be penalized, and that's what Nick Saban's saying. But that's what we're talking about earlier. Championship teams don't lose on the last play. They make the play. They don't, they don't miss it. This is not a typical Alabama team. I think people that are want Alabama in the playoffs are looking at Alabama's program, its image, its best teams. This is not its best teams. Its defense repeatedly fails. The only reason it beat Texas early in the year was Quinn Ewers, Texas's quarterback, got hurt. And the backup almost beat Alabama, and he was limping. I mean, what what do you what more evidence do you need? Alabama's just not that good. I'm watching against Auburn Saturday. You were at the game. Auburn, we know we know how infirm Auburn's offense is. It can't throw the ball. And it's going up and down the field, running the ball Alabama against Alabama. I thought that was an Alabama strength, run defense. It wasn't against Auburn. I think Will Anderson has had a very, at best, a mediocre year. He may be the first player drafted. He was great last season. He hasn't been this season. I don't hold Alabama in such high esteem. So I agree. Tennessee won the game against Alabama head-to-head. And it had to play Georgia. And, yeah, it got it got beaten soundly, more so than the 27-13 score indicates. So, And it had a bad loss against South Carolina. But it did beat Alabama head-to-head. And, see, when you lose head-to-head, to me, that's like when you're talking about in a playoff context, it's like a playoff. It, it's not like you had a chance to beat that team on the field and you didn't do it. So why could, why should you be whining about, well, we belong? Well, no, just win that game, kick that field goal, don't drop that pass, and Alabama did all of that. So who would, who would you have in, John, if, if USC I, I would uh, just keep would USC give, in there? I'd give Georgia first round by just have a three team playoff. <laughs> I just, I mean, I really just for the best case scenario to me, and I love chaos too, but I just don't like the idea of these teams getting into the playoff. They all had their chances. All Tennessee had to do was beat South Carolina and it loses by 25. So you had your chances. Um, so, right, so your, your solution is a three team playoff with Georgia yeah. getting a first round. <laughs> well, the bye. best, the best team gets a bye. I mean, who do you, you want to put Ohio State in? There, I don't want to put Ohio State in there. I, I know, mean, I think, but, yeah, I, I think that you'd have to me, you have no choice. Their only loss is to undefeated Michigan. I put a lot of stock in that road win at Penn State. I know you maybe don't as much. I think Penn State's. Penn State's a better team than anyone Alabama has beat this year. I'll say that. Uh, I saw Penn State come into Auburn and just dismantle Auburn. Beat them, beat them more handily yeah. than Alabama beat Auburn, by the way. <laughs> um, and that was a road game. Alabama won at home. So, yeah, I don't 
I don't love Ohio State's resume. I don't think they should be in the playoff. There's no question if it starts today, they're not in the playoff. I think if you have to choose, I give it to the team that's only losses to an undefeated team rather than a team that lost twice to two teams with a combined five losses uh, and doesn't have a, a great victory. That's the other thing with Alabama. Who did you beat? You know, did you beat anybody? They didn't beat anybody. They won at Texas, eight and four, and they beat eight and four Mississippi State. Mississippi State. When the second line on your resume is beating Mississippi State, it's not a playoff resume. Just not. I think, too, and because of this, uh, my thinking on head-to-head competition, and we've seen this in the past where you, we saw it with Alabama and Georgia uh, in the SEC championship game last year, and then we see them meet again in the championship. To me, when you go head-to-head in one of these games and you win it, is it really fair that you've got to beat that team again? Would it be fair to Michigan, hey, you just hammered Ohio State? Oh, yeah, but you got to do it again if you want to win a championship. To me, it's eliminated. Who else could we put in there? Give, give me another team. Give me another team that we could put in there. You just keep Southern Cal in. You say you don't get penalized for losing a conference championship game while Ohio State, Alabama, and Tennessee sit at home. Utah is the only team that can beat Southern Cal, so you just let them stay in. I mean, I, I don't know what else you do. There's really – you put 10-2 and two, two lane in the playoff? I, I don't – TCU with one loss well TCU to me is in regardless they're in they're in either way I I don't don't think a loss should knock them out there's three teams that should be in regardless of what happens this weekend and that's the three undefeated teams I don't think there's enough behind them that they should pass up I just don't know what they yeah so you yeah I would uh you and you would then take well see I would take Southern Cal over Ohio State so even if they lose to Utah, just keep them in there. Yeah. I don't like that idea, but I, I just I just thought Ohio State had its chance. It's home field. Everything's on the line. And you unravel in the fourth quarter. Get that team out of there. I don't want to see them again. Let them play in a bowl game and score 50 on somebody. But let's don't put them in the playoffs. John, the other the other big storyline other than the playoff right now is coaching carousel. And all eyes were on Lane Kiffin. All eyes were on Auburn in the, in the final week of the season. It, it seemed as if Auburn almost got Lane Kiffin to the finish line. He never, for weeks, he never really denied his interest in, in Auburn. He said he was happy at Ole Miss. Every step of the way, John, in a profession where these guys specialize in lying. I mean, you know, coaches specialize in two things, football and lying. And some coaches only specialize in one of those two things. And it's not football, depending on the coach. Lane Kiffin never told a lie here. He said he was happy in Ole Miss at every step of the way. He never denied that he had any interest in Auburn. I, he obviously did. They, they got deep in talks. He was Auburn's lead candidate. But in the end, that final week leading up to the Egg Bowl, he consistently said he plans to be at Ole Miss. He said it after the game. He plans to stay at Ole Miss. I asked him directly, if Auburn offers you the job, do you anticipate being the Ole Miss coach next season? He said, I do. And he was telling the truth. He gets a, a, a richer deal 
at Ole Miss, and Lane Kiffin is staying at Ole Miss as we record this. Auburn's search continues. And lost in all of this, John, is the fact that Mississippi State won the Egg Bowl. Great defensive showing from Mississippi State. Zach Arnett's defense, I thought, played fantastic. Veteran defense um, really kept that run game of Ole Miss in check. But can we say Ole Miss won the coaching carousel, John, by not losing Lane Kiffin? And I think it's important to note here, I mean, you know, Lane Kiffin's biggest coaching triumph is a, is a 10-win season and going to the Sugar Bowl, which is high, you know, that's high water at, at, at Ole Miss. That's good stuff. Um, you know, we're not talking about a national championship coach here, but point being, you would expect Ole Miss oftentimes to maybe get outbid. Uh, you would expect a Tommy Tuberville situation of, yeah, I'm not leaving in a pine box, and then they needed to order the pine box and carry him out of there straight to Auburn. Um, but no, Ole Miss is Got a got a challenger and hung on to its man. I think uh, Ole Miss did so far has won the coaching carousel. Although when I look elsewhere and I see these coaching hires, Nebraska I thought made a great coaching hire with Matt Rule. He revived Baylor. He won at Temple. Who who wins at Temple? Um, so I thought that was a really good hire. But of course I thought Scott Frost was a great hire for. Nebraska, and we saw how that worked out. So you never know. But, yes, that was significant for Ole Miss. But if I were Ole Miss, I wouldn't get too confident. I thought even as this was going on, and I wasn't sure what Lane Kiffin would do. Who knows? With You know, I mean, yes. who, who knows and what any I, of these coaches will do. But I know. But Elaine, I think Lane likes playing these games somewhat. I think he enjoys it. He enjoys seeing a media guy wrong on his uh, <laughs> his reveal. Uh, so, but I look at Lane Kiffin and I thought all along, and we talked about this, Lane Kiffin could get a better job than Auburn from Ole Miss. Bingo. This is not Lane Kiffin growing old in Oxford. Maybe that happens, but that was not my takeaway from this week. He's happy there. I I think we can, we can say that he's got his daughter there. He said, you know, I, I think it's clear family factored into, to this decision, but I don't think this is Lane Kiffin retiring at, at Ole Miss. What I see is how many big-time jobs are going to be open in the next year or two. I mean, Billy Napier is going to step into year two at Florida, facing some pressure. How about Oklahoma and Brent Venables? How about Steve Sarkeesian at Texas? How about Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M? I mean, there are going to be some guys that, you know, I don't know if we start throwing around hot seat yet with with some of those people, but we can start throwing around. These are coaches that need to win at marquee jobs next year. So yes, I think for Ole Miss, you could be going through this exact same thing a year from now or two years from now, but that's still better than the alternative, right? You want to employ the guy that other schools maybe might be interested in versus the guy that nobody else wants. Ole Miss's challenge in keeping Lane Kiffin is not just paying him more money. It's beefing up its NIL collective. It's being able to bankroll a team, which might take about $15 million a year now, I think, at the highest level. That's, what, that's what's talked about in terms of financing an elite football program. You need at least $15 million. So that's what, that's what Ole Miss needs to think about it in terms of keeping Kiffin. He's made Ole Miss competitive. He's done a really good job at that. 
but can he keep getting these players? Because this NIL thing is just, we're just in the infancy stages of it. It's going to get bigger and it's going to have a, a greater impact as we go along. Uh, you Those programs you mentioned, I, I was trying to think, is there ever been a time where both Texas and Oklahoma fans aren't happy with their coaches it, you know, at the same time? And I'm sure there have been. But these are programs that don't, I mean, West Texas, eight and four. Mm-hmm. What was it last year? It had a losing season last year, didn't it? Under Sarkeesian. So yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Were they five and five and seven or six? Well, and they, seven. they were they were five and seven last year. Okay. They missed a bowl game. Okay. Yeah, and they're eight and four this year. So yeah, that, I mean a step forward, but eight and fours. Now you you can't just keep going eight and four at at, at uh-huh. Texas. You can't do repeat what what Oklahoma's done this year. And and frankly, Billy Napier's honeymoon is is over at at Florida. Uh, as well, and and Jimbo, I think we've we've all agreed. The only reason he still has a job is that massive buyout, which decreases a little bit by the day. Uh, so yes, I mean this this. I know we always talk about how wild the coaching carousel is. This is a calm coaching carousel for what I think we could see in the next year or two uh, with some of these jobs we're talking about. My question, John. As Auburn's search, as we record this, continues, and Hugh, Hugh Freeze's name has popped up, uh, someone we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, I think we, we both think he would be a fit for Auburn. If you look past the moral turpitude and just look at the football, I think Hugh Freeze would be a fit for Auburn. But my question to you, John, is after Wisconsin has hired Luke Fickle of Cincinnati, who did a great job at Cincinnati, Will Auburn's hire match what Wisconsin did, or did Wisconsin outdo whatever Auburn's going to do here in in their coaching search? I think if Auburn can get Hugh Freeze, it will outdo Wisconsin. I know Luke Fickle did a really good job at Cincinnati, but in that conference, you see coaches have big success there with various teams you can get an advantage over other programs in that league, a decided advantage. And I I give him a lot of credit for what he did. And he may be a really good fit at Wisconsin. I think that's a really good hire, but I think Hugh Freeze would be a great fit at Auburn. The thing about him, he's proved he can win in this league. He won at Ole Miss and he beat Alabama and Nick Saban twice. That looms really large with me. I just... Yeah, and you can bring up integrity issues and all that kind of stuff, but as long as he doesn't have to coach from a prison cell, I, I think you, you know I'm okay with that. I, I just think uh, that would be the best move for Auburn, and Auburn doesn't always make the best moves. Hmm. So, that's why they're that's why they're in this situation. Firing uh, Brian Harson after two years is because they hired someone uh, who probably never should have been not probably shouldn't have been hired. Uh, in the first place. And so rinse, repeat, here we go at Auburn. Let's get into our our picks here. Uh, Conference championship weekend. We're not going to pick everything, but uh, I'm going to pick the SEC championship and a couple of the other maybe most meaningful games here. We're coming down to the, down to the wire, not only in the season, but in our pick them contest uh, I was five and six last week. You were four and seven, so we're kind of continuing with our season-long trends. I got a two-game lead over you for the season. Now, neither one of us is above five hundred, 
we won't get into the official records, but suffice it to say, we're winning at about a 40, 42, 43% clip here against the spread. But I do have a two game lead over you. So here we go. We're going to pick a few of them. And let's start with that Pac 12 championship game, John. It'll be Friday night. And we've talked about how this, this could have a trickle down effect on who gets that final playoff bid if USC loses. USC is a two-and-a-half-point favorite against Utah, a team that had already lost to but on the road this season. This game will be in Vegas. Uh, because you need to play catch-up, I'm going to go first. I'll go first on all these picks. How about that? Oh, I really appreciate that. But yeah. the way I've been picking, it really won't matter. <laughs> well, I think USC uh, takes advantage of its mulligan here against Utah. I think it's. I just like the way the Trojans are playing. I was, I was impressed by what they did against Notre Dame. I know the UCLA game was high scoring. At times felt like whoever had the ball last, but I mean Utah they lost by a single point last time on the road. I think USC's a better team neutral site. It's not going to be the same same experience they had playing there uh, at Utah. I think USC wins. I think they cover the two and a half and I think we end all this drama uh, of who gets in if if USC loses. Well, uh, I can certainly, that's a solid analysis, but I'm playing catch up here. And if I'm going to lose, I don't really care about how many games I lose. Uh, that doesn't interest me. So I'll pick Utah. So is this going to be a consistent theme here, John? You just pick, pick the opposite of, of what I have. Well, we'll see if it continues. I think you're onto something. Uh-huh. All right. Well, the other, the other game that could have some playoff intrigue implications i don't think it should i think tcu should be in um even if it loses to kansas state uh, in, in the big 12 championship not everybody would agree with that tcu is a two and a half point favorite i'm going to take tcu tcu coming off of uh, its most dominant performance of the season against a, a mediocre iowa state team but I, I don't know. I just trust TCU. If it's, this comes down to a close game, I think they'll get it done. We've seen them do it a time and time again. They don't have to cover much. The spread's only only a point and a half. So, yeah, I'm going to take TCU. And again, we will avoid the drama by the favorite winning the conference championship. Give me the Frogs to cover the point and a half. I really like TCU, as I've said often during the season, but I also like winning. And my only chance to win is to pick Kansas State, so that's what I'll do. Okay. Kansas State it is for you. I don't know that you believe in either of these picks. I think No, that... I'm not no, I okay. don't. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm gonna keep the pressure on you, John. It's a seventeen and a half point spread in the SEC championship. Georgia just favored to roll. I wonder what that spread would have been if LSU would have beat Texas A and M. Last week, I think it still would have been pretty big. I think it would have been uh, 13 and a half if LSU had beat Texas A&M, but they'd lost. And so you get an extra, a few extra points there up to 17 and a half. How about this, John? If you know, we know the SEC is eventually going to get rid of divisions. They've said that's their plan whenever Oklahoma and Texas join. If they didn't have divisions this year, LSU would not be in this game. Tennessee would be in this game. They both went 6-2 and two in the conference, as did Alabama. But Tennessee played each of those teams, beat each of those teams. And so if we were in a divisionless SEC, it would be Georgia and Tennessee 
in the SEC championship. Now, I know you, you've you established you're not a big fan of rematches. Uh, if you have your chance and you lose it, you shouldn't get another chance. So maybe, you'd, maybe you're okay with LSU-Georgia. I don't know. But that that is one thing we're going to see more of after divisions go away. You're going to see more rematches and conference championships. However, it also increases the likelihood that you're going to get the actual two best teams in a conference playing in a conference championship, whereas divisions, you don't always have that. For many, many years, uh, the SEC West was so dominant while the East was down. I think the two best teams in the SEC in many years, you could have said were in the West and in the championship game in many respects occurred before we even got to Atlanta. I think of that, the uh, 2016 season in which Alabama just absolutely pasted Florida, a kind of a mediocre Florida team that finished, I believe nine and four, maybe this, this matchup reminds me a little bit of that. Like, and I don't want to belittle what LSU's done this year. I think getting to Atlanta in Brian Kelly's first season, going nine and three, I think that's a good that's a good start to the Brian Kelly era. Um, but I'm not sure truly LSU is worthy of playing in an SEC championship game. Both things can be true. Brian Kelly had a nice start to his tenure, and eh, this this doesn't feel like uh, you know a real worthy SEC championship game. I'm picking Georgia, by the way, to cover the 17 and a half. Well, uh, going against you head to head does have its limits. Uh, I don't like this matchup at all. Uh, and, and lose, there are certain things that should be non-negotiable. Forget the standings. If you lose to this Texas A&M team by 15 points, you're eliminated. That should be it. You don't get to play in the championship anymore. If you lose to Vanderbilt, as Florida and Kentucky did, you don't get to go to a bowl game. There there needs to be some non-negotiable limitations here. So I just – LSU, I think Brian Kelly did a great job getting this team to nine wins. I don't know what happened against A&M, but – He's got some good – Some you look at it, there's several players that kind of stand out, and I love that Harold Perkins at linebacker, the freshman. So you can see talent. You also can see much hope for the future based on what Brian Kelly's done. But this is, this is not a championship-caliber team, and when you're talking about playoffs, <laughs> uh, as people were, if LSU could beat Georgia – LSU's not beating Georgia, so um, – I'll take Georgia and give the points, just as you did. You worried about that spread at all? I'm a little worried that it might be too. Georgia. Georgia has that tendency to take a nice, comfortable lead and just turtle up a little bit. 17 and a half scares me a, a bit. Didn't scare me enough, but this feels like it could be could be close. Coming down to you know, not not close. The game the game's not I, going to be no, close, but against the spread. Well. Guess you weren't yeah, that Yeah, because Georgia kind of muddled around against Tennessee and won by 14 points. Mm-hmm. And, and but Kentucky, I think Georgia... I mean, Kentucky, they could have blown out Kentucky, I think, if they wanted to, but didn't. But this is different. The stakes are different. Georgia wants to prove it's the number one team and deserves that number one seed and deserves to... And going with the number one seed is playing in Atlanta. That will be Georgia's incentive i think this game will be a blowout wow you heard it here first all right john locks of the week 
and uh, I think you should have to go first on on this one. I've I've gone first on all the all the others. So you got a lock of the week from one of the one of the championship games uh, that we haven't picked, or or maybe you want to go with the Army Navy game. I'm going with Tulane, two and a half points against Central Florida. Okay. Two and a half. They're they're two and a half point favored against Central Florida. All right. Mm-hmm. I thought Tulane might lose to Cincinnati and and lose their spot in what will probably be the Cotton Bowl, I guess. But uh they beat Cincinnati last week, so you were you were impressed, obviously. Did you watch that game on Friday? Were you as an appetizer to the battle line rivalry? No, I didn't watch that game. But oh. uh <laughs> <laughs> you watched the battle line rivalry. Though. I did I watch the battle line rivalry, and I saw. I I love that trophy. It's just so. What does it weigh? One hundred and eighty pounds. I mean, oh my gosh! It's and and that was a bizarre game too. I, gosh, well, we, that's a that's a debate for another day. But did you know, John? Since joining the SEC, Mighty Mizzou is seven and two against Arkansas. I've always thought this is like a make-believe rivalry that the SEC can concocted, but I might be wrong here. I might be changing my thinking. The Tigers are—they treat the battle line as if it's as if it's something, and I think that win by Missouri against Arkansas really kind of revealed how much of a paper tiger the SEC West is this year. And we don't get to say that often, but the East and crossover games against the West this year went eight and six, eight and six. Georgia and Tennessee both went 2-0 against the West. The only East team that did not win at least one game, one of the two games against the West, was Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt never really even counts anyway, right? But, yeah, that battle line rivalry was was big to me to cement. I think the East was a little bit better than the West this year, top to bottom. Well, maybe not to bottom, but. Well, I'm getting appreciation that for that rivalry. And, um, Nothing against Arkansas, certainly. But uh, I drove a few years ago. I was in in Louisiana taking time off before, I guess it was the Tennessee-Missouri game. So I drove from Louisiana to Missouri. In the first nine, it was raining, it was dark, and I went through Arkansas. And honestly, my GPS wasn't working. There were no road signs. I was off on a road with no road signs. It was dark and raining. And I thought, you know how much I've traveled by car across this country. It was Mm -hmm. one of my scariest moments. I just thought, I may never get through this night. And I was so thrilled to get to Missouri. So that's given me a new appreciation for Missouri and all those deer hunters up there. I spent eight years of my life in Missouri, John, and those are words I didn't necessarily think I'd hear someone say. Was so thrilled to get to the state <laughs> of Missouri, <laughs> and I'm going to spend some of my holidays there. My wife's from Missouri. Anyway, I need I need a lock of the week. Uh, I'm not going to go the direction you did. We'll make keep things interesting. So you're you're giving the two and a half with Tulane. Uh, I'm going to take Ohio, the mighty Bobcats in the Mac championship. This is a game Tennessee fans will be interested in. They're kind of an honorary member of the Mac since uh, about half their schedule every year is against Mac foes. Same with Kentucky, Kentucky and Tennessee fans will probably be scouting, scouting this game for upcoming opponents. Uh, But Ohio is a two and a half point underdog against Toledo in the Mac championship. I can't figure this line out. Ohio's won seven in a row. Toledo is, is limping into this one. They've, they've lost uh, two in a row. 
coming into the MAC title game. So I don't really understand why Ohio is the underdog. Do you, Do you, John? Uh, I'm not going to overthink it. I'm going to say, uh, give me those, give me those two and a half points, and uh, and I'll take Ohio. Fair enough. Well, I, I think the MAC might be the hardest conference to predict. I know. I, I I agree. I usually stay away from the MAC in my lock of the week. Yeah. I mean, particularly when you think about it from one season to the next, have you noticed what a, how much disparity there is? Like one team say this year, a team will be nine and three. And the next year it's uh, three and nine. There's just this wide, wide range of, uh, of things in, in the, the Mac. So I I'm with you. I just stay away from that league. Yeah. The, the only consistent thing about the Mac is, you know, a few of those teams are going to end up on the Kentucky and Tennessee schedules every season. All right, John, the, uh, the playoff conversation could start to get real interesting um, based on Tuesday night's rankings, based on what happens this weekend, or maybe TCU and USC takes care of business. And, and uh, we're just talking about uh, that, that quartet of teams. We'll be back next week. After the playoff is revealed to unpack it and look at Georgia's path forward. Thanks for listening to this edition of SEC Football Unfiltered. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.